Please open your Bibles to John chapter 4. Last time we studied about the encounter that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And we saw how for the woman of Samaria, it was a divine encounter. She had come face to face with the God of all creation, and she was laid bare before him. Jesus knew everything about this woman, and with grace and truth, he brought her to a place of conviction. She came to the well at an odd hour when no one else would be there. As to why she came at this odd hour, we can only speculate, but we do know that her bad reputation preceded her. The sin in her life had caused her great shame, but the Savior of the world was there to meet her. And in verse, uh, verses 3 and 4, we saw how Jesus had left Judea with the intentions to go back to Galilee, but it says there in verse 4 that he needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Because this woman needed her thirst quenched. She was all dried up inside. And we saw how she understood religion, but she didn't understand her need for living water, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. She was just going about her daily business, living her life how she always lived it. Five husbands and the man she was now living with were not what she needed. But now she has found what she was thirsty for. She has met the Messiah. And we pick up our study today in verse 27 of John chapter 4. And it says, And at this point his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Now remember, last week we saw in verse 9 how the woman was surprised that Jesus even spoke with her because of him being a Jew and her being a woman. Well, here the disciples are having the same reaction. They know the man made rules. But this case, excuse me, but in this case, not one of them said a word to Jesus about it. They've been around Jesus long enough to know that he's no ordinary man. And you know, for you and I today, the more we spend time in the presence of Jesus, the more we come to expect the unexpected. These disciples of Jesus had no idea of what had just taken place in the life of this woman. And we need to be mindful of that as well. We won't always know what the Lord is doing in the heart of another person, and we shouldn't be quick to jump to conclusions. A life-changing encounter had just taken place. And because these disciples knew Jesus, they were just trusting that everything was good here. And in verse 28, we'll see the reaction of this woman. Verse 28 says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Wow. It says there that she left her water pump. Just a short while ago, she had carried that thing all the way to the well. The water pot was important to her livelihood. It was a source of her nourishment, and it sustained her physical life. But now that she had met this Messiah... She's forgotten all about those things. 
she has been set free. The sin that she's carried has been washed away by the living water of a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And when you come to know who Jesus is and your eyes are fixed on him, the things of this world are not so important anymore. And Jesus places within you a fountain of living water that springs up inside of you to an everlasting and abundant life, and you can't keep it inside. God had just spoken to this woman, and for you and me today, he speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And as we've studied before, it is his word that has caused us to be born again. 1 Peter 1.23, right? Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You see, we cannot expect this living water to be springing up within us if we are not in his word. Many people today that know of religious things are all dried up on the inside because they aren't even opening their Bibles to hear from God. And many churches are dead because the pastors are just preaching good, uh, feel-good messages and not teaching the practicality of the Word in our lives today. For this woman here in her hometown of Samaria, they were about to see a revival as a result of one woman being revived. And this woman went back to her circle of influence and told the men of Samaria to come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. And what did those men of Samaria do? Verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came to him. They took heed to her. There had to be something they were seeing in this woman. I just pictured this woman before meeting Jesus as totally oppressed. Her countenance was probably very grim. Remember, she's had five husbands and is now living with another guy, but now she is full of living water. And I know these guys could see it in her face. So they left the city and headed out to see this man, Jesus. But meanwhile, back at the well, Verse 31 says, In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him food, anything to eat? So the disciples uh, do not understand what Jesus is talking about here. And they begin to question each other. Did you get him something to eat? I didn't get him something to eat. I was with you. But verse 34 says, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You see, Jesus was fulfilled by doing the work for which his father had sent him to do. He had just seen a woman of Samaria have her spiritual thirst quenched. And this was very satisfying to him. His disciples wanted to eat to satisfy their physical hunger, but Jesus was now teaching them about how to be satisfied with feeding others spiritually. And he goes on to say to them in verse 35, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? 
Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. You see, Jesus was now letting his disciples know that all around them were spiritually hungry and thirsty people, and that there is great satisfaction in leading people to salvation, and there are also eternal rewards in it. He says to them in verse 26, And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. You know, the time will come when all the things we care about here on this earth will pass away or be left behind, and we will be, and we will step into our eternity. Those that have been born again to everlasting life in the presence of God, and those who have not will step into an eternity of separation from God. But these disciples, along with you and me here today, need to see that there is great fulfillment in being about God's business. And God's work is far greater than we can fathom, but I believe that for our comprehension, His work is summed up for us in the words of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus was teaching his disciples here that the salvation of souls is where true fulfillment lies. A woman of Samaria had just come to receive everlasting life. And the desire for the disciples of Jesus and for us as his disciples today is that we would reap the eternal rewards of bringing people to salvation in Jesus. That's Jesus' desire for us. So Jesus continues on. And he says to them in verse 37, For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. You see, you never know what seeds have already been planted in the hearts of people. And if we just take the time to share the love that God has for them, we'd have the joy of seeing them repent and turn to Jesus like this woman did. Just think about what are your experiences with seeing people come to Christ? Do you find it difficult to bring up the topic of Jesus? If so, why? Just a couple questions I want to throw out there. I'm I'm not going to discuss them any further, but just for your own heart. You have any experience in seeing people come to Christ? You, those of you that are, have been born again. And do you find it difficult to bring up the topic of Jesus? If so, why? Just something for you to ponder. Before the woman at the well, her testimony ended up having a great impact. Look at verse 39. And many of the Samaritans that, of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. Very simplistic, wasn't it? And all she did was share with them the experience she had with Jesus. This lost woman that knew all about religion came to realize that what she knew didn't matter. What mattered was being changed from the inside out. The change in her was so evident to the people of Samaria 
that all she had to do was simply say, He told me all that I ever did. And your testimony of how you were set free from sin can have a tremendous impact as well. But on the other hand, if all we are is religious people and we fit right in with the rest of the world, then they will never see all that Jesus has done for us. The greatest thing that the Lord had in my life personally was all internal. But in order for others around me to see it, I have to tell them of it. You see, in other words, the Lord had an impact in my life. But it all was an internal impact. But in order for those around me to know that, they I have to tell them of it, or they have to see the Lord shining through me. You see, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And these Samaritans that had come to Jesus as a result of the woman's testimony were so overjoyed that they didn't want him to leave. And verse 40 says, So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Man, you know, when you get in the presence of the Lord, you just don't want him to leave. You just don't want to leave it. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. And this Samaritan men, these Samaritan men didn't want Jesus to leave town. But you and I today can know that he is ever present as a result of his Holy Spirit being within us. But Jesus had other things to do, so he had to leave Samaria eventually. And he would eventually leave this earth. And it was needful for all of us that he did leave this earth, that he did return to the Father. Let's look at that. Let's turn to John chapter 16. John chapter, excuse me, 16. And let's start reading in verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So for the woman at the well, Jesus came and brought conviction to her heart for her sin. And for those on the earth today, he brings conviction through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts people for not believing in Jesus. Then when a person repents, the Holy Spirit guides them into all truth. And he hears from God. The Holy Spirit hears the things from God. He declares the things of God to believers in Jesus. We discussed last time the fact that uh, 
conviction and repentance are necessary before someone can be a disciple of Jesus. But it all starts with hearing the word of God as this woman of Samaria did. But there would be many more that would be impacted by the words of Jesus. Verse 41, And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So, as we share our testimony with others of how the Lord impacted our lives, He then, through His Word, causes them to experience it for themselves personally. You see, like the woman at the well, your testimony will point others to Jesus. But when they get there, it will be the Holy Spirit that convicts them and causes them to understand it for themselves within their own hearts. There are many people today that speak Christianese in the presence of other Christians, but they themselves have not experienced a personal relationship with Jesus. They live six and three-quarter days a week however they want and then go to church on Sunday morning and think that they have done their Christian service. But we've seen in this chapter that true worship of God has nothing to do with where we go. It's not an outward commitment. It's an inward commitment, and it's a change of heart. And that change of heart is then evident in the way you live your life. This woman's heart was changed, and people were impacted, and they went looking for Jesus. The Samaritan men then were saved, not as a result of the woman's testimony, but as a result of them coming to know Christ for themselves. And moving on in verse 43, it says, Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. You see, Galilee was Jesus' country. It was the area where he grew up. And he knew that there was a lot of work that needed to be done there. The people of Galilee felt familiar with Jesus, and they didn't honor him the way that they should have. But the fact that they showed him no honor displayed that they really were not familiar with him. There is such a thing as a false familiarity with Jesus. A dangerous feeling that we know all about him. Such a dangerous feeling leads to a lack of honor toward Jesus. And we must be careful not allow us to allow ourselves to be in that position. Verse 45, So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So we studied a few weeks back how Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, and he did many signs and wonders and believed Um, And many believed in him there. But we also saw that Jesus didn't commit himself to them because he knew what was in their hearts. And these people from Galilee were some of the people that were up in Jerusalem at the feast. And here they are receiving Jesus back to Galilee with open arms because they saw the signs. And Jesus didn't really like 
the fact that they believe just because of the signs, and we are going to see that he gets a little disturbed by that again here in the coming verses. Verse 46, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. So here we see a little frustration from Jesus. He knew that salvation had nothing to do with the signs and wonders, but rather it had to do with the heart. And many people in Galilee believed in Jesus only because of the signs and wonders. And you know, signs and wonders can lead a person to believe in Jesus, but Satan can also use signs and wonders. Let's turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just uh, maybe going off on a slight little bunny trail here, but that just comes to mind as we're talking about signs and wonders that uh, Satan can do them, can use signs and wonders as well. So 2 Thessalonians, which is obviously right after 1 Thessalonians and right before 1 Timothy. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let's look at verses 9 and 10. It says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You see, signs and wonders from God are good things, but they should not form the foundation of our faith. Signs and wonders will not change your heart. The children of Israel in Exodus uh, 19 and 20 saw great signs on Mount Sinai, but they still went on to worship a gold calf. And if we don't fall deeply in love with the truth of the word of God, we will be deceived. And turning back to John chapter 4, we see that this nobleman is persistent. And verses 49 and 50 say, The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Here again, we see the power of the spoken word of Jesus. The man had a desperate need, and he believed that the words of Jesus would make everything better. His faith in Jesus was strong. He didn't wait to see the result of the sign to believe. He believed first, and then he finds out the result. And it goes on to say in verses 51 through 52, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them of the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. 
and he himself believed in his whole household. So not only did he believe, but his whole family came to believe. And you know, when a man steps up and gives his life to Jesus, it's a great example to the rest of the family. When a man lives sold out to the word of God, his family is blessed. Verse 54, this again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So, the first sign that Jesus did in Galilee was at a family celebration, right? He was invited to a wedding and he turned water into wine. The second sign that Jesus did in Galilee was at a time of a family devastation. A child was sick. But you know, no matter what the circumstances of our lives, Jesus is the only one to trust in. Be it the joyous occasion of a wedding or the preparations of a funeral or anything in between, you fill in the blank with your own life's circumstances. But God is the God of all comfort, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. And as we've talked about, Jesus cares deeply about our every need. And as we study his word, we see these things. But it's real easy when you don't study the word to just create a religion or just latch on to uh, some movement of a church or whatever it may be. And here again, we all need to be plugged into fellowship with one another. We need to have a place of fellowship. So you should find a Bible teaching church that is focused on the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is focused on reaching out to others in love and, and is focused on teaching the word of God. Find that place. But the point here is that your foundation needs to be built upon nothing else but Jesus Christ. And that foundation starts within your heart. It starts deep within you where God comes in by His Holy Spirit, the Lord enters you, and you are filled with living water, like the woman at the well experienced. This noble man here, he saw a great sign from Jesus. He, Jesus said he spoke the word and this noble man's son was healed. But this man had already believed when he turned and he walked away, because he said, just speak the word, Jesus, and my son will be healed, right? Well, you know, it's the spoken word of Jesus into your heart that will change your life. And guess what? The spoken word of Jesus is in your Bible. It is a living, active word, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep within you. So I really encourage you, as you listen to these teachings to be inspired to get a Bible for yourself if you don't already have one. Open it up. Begin to read it. Start reading in the Gospel of John, I would suggest. Go through the New Testament. Go through the entire Bible, of course. Study the whole counsel of the Word of God. Find a church that teaches the whole counsel of the Word of God and get plugged in there. So God bless and thank you for listening. You can check out all of our teachings on our website at 
www.aloveoutreach.com. We'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a line. Let us know that you're listening. And if you have any questions, you can contact us via our website through our Facebook page or through Twitter. Or you can email us at info at aloveoutreach.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless.